0: As God. Well, we're so excited tonight to get a chance to welcome Brother Mark and uh, as he, and his son, Zach. I've been referring to Zach. You may be seated for a moment. I've been referring to Zach, uh, but I haven't properly introduced him. Some of you might remember from the last time he was here, but it's been a while. Zach Davey, Brother Zach Davey, is Mark's son, and he is a powerful minister in his own right. He's traveling with him. all all across Canada, and of course, he's been to Africa several times. We're thankful, Zach, that you're here tonight. We're blessed to have you, and uh, thank God. Thanks, God reason I ask you to be seated for a moment is because as we welcome Brother Mark, we're first going to get to watch a video, and just a short video, and get to see some of the things that God's doing through this ministry, and I want you to get excited. I want you to see, because many of you have prayed for this ministry, and you know it's a wonderful thing when you get to see with your own eyes the fruit of your prayers and the fruit of your giving. And so I want you to see with your own eyes what God is doing. Amen? Well, here, it's already here. Is there, is there audio to that? I could sing a song. There should be audio of that. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good? Isn't he good? Look, that's, that's Mrs. Davy there. That's his wife, Sharon. 401. The 401. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. How good is that? We might not have any audio, but why don't we, while we're watching, let's welcome Brother Mark. He's going to narrate for you.
1: Amen. Praise God. Amen. Woo! Come on. Give the Lord a praise. You're a crazy bunch of people here on Monday night. Lloyd Minister. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Just sit down. I'll just share with you quickly. In 1999, my wife and I felt the call of God. To go full-time missionary evangelism, and God spoke to us to go to North Africa and the Middle East. And there's 22 nations in Northern Africa that have not yet been reached. As a matter of fact, it is the most unreached part of the world. It's kind of a, it's a, it's a paradox, really, because, okay, don't don't worry about the sound now. We'll do it tomorrow. It's a paradox, really, because Central and Southern Africa is the most unreached part of the world, but Northern Africa is the Sorry, Central and Southern is the most reached part of the world. Northern Africa is the most unreached part of the world. And so God called us to go to this region and to preach the gospel. And we started believing God for 50,000 souls in our lifetime. And uh, since then, we've seen, it says on, the, it says on the, the movie there, 2.2, but that was done in November. We've seen 2.3 million people come to Christ. Come on, give the Lord praise. Amen. Uh, the movie, when you watch it with with sound, it kind of it's it's a little less confusing because you see you see us preaching in big crowds and you see nice houses and stuff like that. So we have a compound in northern Uganda, northern Uganda that's very safe and a nice house and and uh, some where we keep our vehicles and our sound equipment, and all that. And then we track up into the regions where the gospel has not been preached. We are literally going for every. For every city we go to, for every 10 cities we go to, I can say this, that the ratio would be seven of those cities do not have churches, and the three that do would be 30, 40 people at the most. One church, 30 or 40 people, that's it. And uh, so we're really taking the gospel where it's not been preached, and uh, we're pressing in. And we're believing God for an awesome harvest, amen? amen? So even just last year, I think I was here just a couple weeks later, a uh, couple weeks later last year. So it's not a full year. We're about three, three weeks shy of a full year. But since we've been here last time, we've seen 187,000 souls come to Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Woo! 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. I, I, I appreciate that. You guys know how to respond properly. Isn't it? Some churches they go... You say 187,000, they get all excited. You say 180,000 souls, and they go. But you know how to respond, man, because you got art for souls, eh? Yeah. Praise God, amen. Woo! Hallelujah. Yeah. And uh, so uh, we, in the last year, we built a church, we built a school, we also built uh, two warehouses to house our equipment. And I just, uh, just two weeks ago, released fifty thousand dollars to upgrade our trucks and our our vehicles not to not to get new ones just to fix the old ones but to upgrade the trucks they like upgrade them like the frame was all cracked and and I got underneath it and the cross members were all twisted and and so we have some major work on that old truck and then uh, to, to upgrade the sound sound system just make sure it's all up to par and then redo the stage and all that, so that every time we go we have to pour money and the big expense is just getting the equipment to where we preach the gospel and getting our team there because they're, you know, somebody said, well, do you rent sound equipment? No, they don't have any sound They don't have a speaker, they don't have a microphone in the places we go. Is there a hotel? No, there isn't. I've slept under the stars and I've slept in mud huts. And Sometimes I move out of the mud hut because I'd rather be sleeping under the stars because the mud hut is not too nice. And uh, we slept all over the place. Uh, Zach and I were, were in one town just uh, in, November, in December, just preaching, and, and uh, you know, we had a lot of people saved and, and a lot of people healed, and, and we're just sitting there eating dinner, and, you know, we're battling—some You see, some people don't understand, but we're actually battling forces uh, from darkness, forces from hell— Come on now. I mean, we, we come this way, and then we, somebody says they're not going to give us permission. Then we end up going here, and then war breaks out. And then we end up going over here, and then a tribal rebellion breaks out. So we end up going over here. And somehow when we're finished, we always get results. Amen. Well, Mazak and I were just sitting having dinner and in, in the church. I don't know. All of a sudden, all the Africans left us. And uh, they were just—I don't know—they were going to do something. And Zach and I were just sitting at a table, and two snakes came in this way. Two snakes came in this way. Praise God! What do you do with snakes? You kill them, man. <laughs> I killed three of them. I don't—somebody else killed the other one. I don't know. Zach ran. <laughs> Praise God. But uh, then we text my wife, and she was freaking out because she lives in, she lived in Africa all her life. As a, she grew up in Africa, was born African. Every African snake is poisonous. Well, what kind of snakes were they, Zach? Black mambas. Come on. Woo! Hey, man, my foot, my foot did well. Same shoes. I got the same shoes on right now. Praise God. These are anointed shoes, man. Tread on serpents and all the works of the enemy. I mean, praise God. Hallelujah. But just, uh, and then in, in, in June, we were in the Congo and our, our team, you know, when we travel between cities, we have to, they make us take soldiers with us, which ain't a bad idea. They got AKA rifles and, and, uh, and, and, and we're traveling with them and all of a sudden, uh, you know, these rebels come out from, the, from the, the jungle and they start shooting at our vehicles. Well, what are you going to do? doc (laughs) i started praying and the soldiers started shooting back i said don't hit any of them please this will not look good (laughs) unless we'll kill them and then we'll resurrect them (laughs) but uh but uh, just had to scare them because they're shooting at us it's actually maybe you've heard of joseph coney anybody hear that you heard that was their army attacked us in june praise god not one of our guys got hurt but uh, it did uh, it did uh, make us more spiritual for a couple minutes. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> we just started thinking, what are we doing here? Oh, yeah, we're here to preach the gospel. Hallelujah. Woo! Woo. <laughs> and uh, lots of fun. Uh, but uh, we're excited. Uh, we've seen, uh, I was just praying for this one lady. Like, we had a prayer line. Uh, we don't usually have prayer lines, but we had a prayer line during the day. And this lady came through ca- crawling on her hands and knees. And she had... Without exaggeration, she had she had bunions on her knees, this big and on her hands. And when I prayed for her, just no, no different than anybody else we prayed for, we just prayed for them. I mean, there's so many, you just have to do it real quick, because otherwise you'd be out there till tomorrow, you know? And so we're just going quick. And I just touched her, and all of a sudden, she jumped up and started running. Praise God, ran ran around, everybody started freaking out. She had never walked before in her life. She's just crawling on her hands and knees, Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. And uh, we had a lady come to come in one of the services, and she said, she said, I've been healed of AIDS. Well, I said, how do you know you're healed of AIDS? She said, well, all the pain's gone, all this. And I said, well, you know, tell you what, we'll send some workers with you to the hospital, and we'll get it checked out. And they went back to the hospital. They did three tests. And uh, she came back, she was totally delivered from HIV AIDS. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Jesus is still on the throne. Amen. Hallelujah. And he's, he's working. Then my, my wife and my sister, we, were, we took a team to Uganda. We weren't even in the dangerous part. And I safe, everybody say safe. Safe. Uganda. Because I'm, I'm taking a team there in June. So if you want to come, it's totally different than those other places. You've got to separate all those crazy stories from the nice story of sweet, beautiful, lovely, nice sheets, clean beds. Re- relatively good food <laughs> in Uganda, uh, but we were in Uganda where we actually had a team in August, and uh, one lady came. And the baby was this baby was like, but this big, and I said, "How?" You know, my my sister said, "How old is this baby?" And she said, "The baby's like four months," and just totally just you know hardly even moving, just kind of thing. I said, so, "You know, the em- emaciated really," and and. My sister went to pray for the baby, and she said, no, it's not the baby's problem, it's mine. She said, what's your problem? She said, I haven't been able to produce milk. I've never been able to produce milk. And so she's, you know, in, in, in a poor country, they just get whatever they get. Come on now. And she wasn't get the little baby wasn't getting enough. And, you know, my sister and my wife prayed for this, this, uh, this woman and the baby, both at once. And, you know, immediately, come on now, this is amazing. Immediately the woman started overflowing started producing milk. Praise God. Amen. Now, the women understand how important that is. And of course, over in Africa, that's paramount, man. Because if you can't produce a baby and if you can't feed your baby, you're a nobody. You know, in the eyes of society. It doesn't mean in the eyes of God you're always a somebody. But Jesus is healing, hallelujah. And uh, I'm here to tell you he's a healer tonight. And if you need a a miracle, just reach out and grab a hold of it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody say yes. Yes. Hallelujah. I know you're in agreement. Praise God. You know, never let a night pass by, you know. Sometimes we get the idea, you know, well, if the church is full, then I'm more able to get a miracle. Or sometimes we get the idea if the worship hits a perfect, note that I'm more, I mean, we hit the note tonight, come on now, it was awesome, but I say, if the, sometimes we think of the worship just hits a note, or if the preacher stands on his head and spit nickels, then, you know, we can get our miracle, but you can get your miracle right now, amen, because, you know, whether we say another word, the, the presence of Jesus is here right now, hallelujah, I say, how do you know, how do you know that, Brother Mark? Well, I know it because he came with me. I don't know whether they came with you, but if he didn't come with you, he can leave with you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, we'll get, we'll get that straightened out before the end of service, and you will be saved. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So, if you're not saved, just get ready to get saved, because uh, the price is right. Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus paid it all, deal or no deal. Amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're, we've had an awesome time. I got home a week ago, for, uh, two weeks ago, Friday, and uh, started this tour on Saturday, and uh, I didn't plan on doing that, but I just. Happened, and you know sometimes the schedule gets away on you, but uh, but we've had an awesome time this last two two and whatever weeks, just seeing people saved and healed. Man, Geraldton. I tell you, we're in a little t- little town, and they, they only had 50 chairs, but there was like two chairs empty every night, and the, you know it's just a tiny little place that we've slugged away there for years and years and years. I've gone to hold tent meetings, sometimes with 20 people, 30 people, and we just decide- so we had meetings, and they got a little church now, and they got to knock out some walls. Praise God. Praise God, because it was packed every night. But we had miracles. We had a, 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 a Catholic girl. She'd never been lady, really. She's, uh, you know, she'd never been in an uh, uh, evangelical church before. Came in, sat down through the service, cried all the way through the service, and about two-thirds of the way through the service, started smiling. And I, after the you know, after the altar service, I said, "What's happening with you?" She said, "My ear just popped open." Praise the Lord. Come on, so whatever you need, hallelujah, we got it. Jesus is able to do it, amen. amen. Praise God. Say, I believe. I, believe. I, receive. I, receive. I receive. This, night. this night. Monday night, Monday night, it's not going to pass me by. Gonna pass I'm going to get what God has for me. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord our praise. Come on. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. You know, uh, I heard one preacher say, he said, if you want it, how many want to receive something? You want to eat some good bread? You want to drink from the well? Come on now. I heard one preacher say, if you want to, if you want to eat, if you want to, if you want to drink, if you want to be fed, you got to open up your mouth. Hallelujah. Come on now. So open up your mouth one more time. Come on. Give the Lord a shout. Woo! Come on. Yeah. Hallelujah. I just want, come on up here, son. I want to just uh, give him an opportunity just for a moment. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. His name is Zachary Isaac John Mark Davy. Zachary Isaac, promised laughter, John, beloved Mark, mighty evangelist. And then he takes my surname. Praise God. And we just figured that when he got old, he can call himself whatever he wants. (laughs) Praise God. But I want to just tell you something. You know, I just want to share this with you. I meant to share it last night, but I didn't. But, you know, uh, when I was uh, a few years younger, when Zach was just six years old, God gave me a vision, a dream. And in that dream, uh, I saw an awesome big crowd of Arabs and Africans, probably twice as big as anything I've preached to yet, maybe three times. And in that vision, I was giving an, uh, an invita- I was I was preaching the gospel, and then all of a sudden, I said, I w- "I'm going to I'm going to sit down now, and I'm going to let my son. I'm going to let my son give the invitation." And I didn't know at that time when I woke up in the morning, because my son was only six at the time. I said I didn't know whether it was my personal son or whether it was just spiritual son. But uh, but I, but as I went and sat down, my son gave the invitation, and I went and lifted up my hands towards heaven and sat down. And my spirit shot out of my body. And I started to hover around. Now, you got to understand, I've only had about three spiritual dreams in my life. I know when it's God. And I know when it's pizza. (laughs) Most of the time, it's pizza. Or spaghetti or something. But, you know, but uh, this time, I will. And and so, my body shot out of my, my spirit shot out of my body. And I hovered around. And I was watching. And all of a sudden, while he was giving the invitation, all of a sudden, I looked behind. And I was shh. I was bent over like this, and some of the African pastors were standing around me. Somebody went up to my son, and he said, he's dead. And uh, somebody said, well, I wouldn't tell that dream. Don't worry about it. I'm not worried about it. And uh, and uh, he said, he's dead. And my son said, well, I'll deal with that after. I'm doing something more important right now, <laughs> which was the right thing, because yeah. he's reaching lots of souls, and, and he's making the appeal for people to come to Jesus, and if can raise me from the dead. He can do it anytime. If God's going to raise me from the dead, he'll raise me from the dead 10 minutes after I'm dead or a year, an hour or two after I'm dead. Don't make me make no never minds. Well, I woke up and I knew, I knew that was a dream from God. And I told my wife and I told later on in the afternoon, I called my father and I told my father because my father is a very godly man. And I told him, I said, I don't know whether this is my son or whether it's a spiritual son because Zach's only six. When I know God often speaks to us in advance, amen? So at any rate, uh, I I shared uh, that with my father, and I never told anybody for five or six months, never told anybody, and I was preaching in Ottawa just before Christmas one year, and while I was preaching nine years ago, I'm preaching... And I'm preaching on a Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. Saturday night, there was no children's ministry. And Zach was sitting over here, but I forgot. And I was just talking about how God speaks to you, the difference between the Logos and the Rhema, and how God speaks to us. And he can speak in words, and he can speak in dreams, and he can speak in visions. And and I said, I had a dream about my son, but I'm not going to tell you what it was. But I'm just saying he, he can speak that way. I know he can. And uh, and and my son, six years old, he's like after the service, Dad, all the way to the hotel. Dad, I gotta know what that dream was. Dad, I gotta know what that dream was. Dad, I, gotta, I said I'm not telling you what that dream was. And I uh, said, Do you want to hear that dream? You're gonna have to talk to God about it. And so the next morning, he gets up. First thing out of his mouth, Dad, please tell me what that dream was. I gotta know what that dream was. I gotta know. Dad, tell me. I said I'm not gonna tell you. I'm just not telling you. And the reason why I'm not telling you because I don't want. My kids to be called to the ministry by me. Because yeah. if they're called by me, then I got to take care of them all the rest of their life. And I <laughs> you know, they better hear from God because how many understand what I'm talking about? And so, and so uh, anyways, Zach went down to children's ministry on a Sunday morning. And he came up after the service and I just had, we had great service and the atmosphere was charged. And the service was over and he walked down the side. He's white as a ghost. He said, dad, I just had a vision. He said, I was in front of so many people, I don't know how to count that, because he's six, right? He said, I know that God was in that place, but he said, really, he wasn't in that place because we weren't in the building. You wouldn't say he's in the place. I guess you would have said he's here. But he said, you died, and I'm supposed to take over your ministry. Now, don't get all nervous about that, because I'm not planning on going anywhere. <laughs> Someone said, Don't worry, I'm not dying in this service. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going home to love my wife. Hallelujah. Praise God, like that prophet said. Praise God. But anyways, uh so uh, you know, we're on the way home. And I'm, i and he says to my wife, he said, Can you can I borrow the phone? And so Sharon gives him the phone the only person he's going to call is his sisters his sisters are twin sisters they're 12 years older than them same mom, same dad just a lot of time in between uh, the girls and, and Zach and I got, the poor guy had three moms and it's true and so I, do you need counseling? Her sister Brownie can pray for you she's, she's really good at that kind of stuff Praise God. and so, and so I, I, uh, he said he calls up one of my sisters he says are you going to be around for a while? And she goes, yeah, why? And he says, because when dad dies, I'm supposed to take over the ministry, and I don't think I know how to do that yet. (laughs) I pulled the car over. I said, son, I got to tell you a couple things. Number one, this is like nine years ago. We're just getting started. I said, number one, there is nothing to take over yet. (laughs) I said, number two, you're too young to run a ministry. So that means probably I'm not going to die for a long time. And number three, I ain't dying for a long time. (laughs) And I don't know, you know, I don't know whether I'll ever die after I preach the gospel. I think that's a lot better than dying with cancer. You know, I'm not, I'm not prophesying that over my life. I think it was probably just a, a dream that gave us set the stage for him to understand that he's supposed to follow in my footsteps. Praise God. But how many know God can speak to six-year-olds? Yeah. Hallelujah. We are talking last night about, uh, you know, a new season. And just before you just share that, I just want to tell you, I believe that a new season is coming across this land come on now and I, anybody, anybody was anybody there last night one two three you were there last night you'll remember some of the points. let me just give you it quickly number one a new season hallelujah means an end to barrenness you ought to shout about that one it's the end of barrenness number two it means our children will hear the call of God number three it means that the prophetic word and all the confessions and all the prophecy we've spoken are going to come to pass yeah. Hallelujah. And number four, it means that, it means that, hallelujah, that there's fresh bread. Hallelujah. There's fresh revelation at every corner. And if you've been living on old stale bread, you, you ought to get some new bread tonight. Hallelujah. Yeah. Praise God. And the last one was, is a season when the enemy's hands are pushed back. And recovery and restoration for all. Amen you got something you lost, you got to get it back. Praise God. Well, praise God. Don't preach, but just do what I've asked you to do. Praise God. Everybody stretch forth your hands.
2: I'm so happy to be here today. Um, This is really, I've been on the road for two weeks with my dad, and um, we've been traveling from church to church. But I have to say that this is one of my, uh, it, it actually makes me excited when I see this church on the list of places we're going because I have great memories of this church. I know that this is a place where the Spirit of God moves, yeah. and I love you guys here. Yeah. So I just wanted to make mention we do have some resources at the back um, that you may want to pick up. We have some CDs. This one here is the Macedonian Call. It's a great message that my dad preaches, um, very motivational, and it's going to equip you to go out and reach your Macedonia. And every one of you has a Macedonia workplace, you're on the street, everything like that. <laughs> this, uh, we have some uh, DVDs. As well. This one's God uses people. How many people do we have here today? Amen. Amen. Okay, so God can use you doesn't just have to be the preacher, anybody with a microphone in their hand. It, God will use you as you walk down the street. He'll give you a word for somebody. He'll tell you to witness to somebody. And you know what? Your mouth, your hands, your feet, they can be used for God. Amen. Amen. So this message, you really should pick it up if you really want to be used by God. It's going to encourage you. And lastly, we have this new book. It's hot off the press. Uh, It's I Took My BlackBerry to Africa. My dad actually wrote this on his BlackBerry when he went to Africa, when he went to Sudan. It took a whole year to edit, yeah. But it really shares my dad's heart. My dad can come in here, and he can come and preach to you. He can spit, and he can yell, and he can stir you up and make you feel good, and he can motivate you and send you out. But you really only catch a small part of my dad's heart. And you know, I get to see that because I get to travel with him and I'm his son. But this book really gives you an insight into the look of what we do when we're in Sudan, the challenges we face, the victories that we come to. And you know what? It really shows the great results that we see. And I think that this is a book that you should really get. It's going to motivate you. And you know what? It's even going to inspire you to have a tenacious spirit. And I'm really excited. I know that my dad has a good word for you tonight. So I'm going to give back the microphone to him.
1: Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many ready for the word? Woo! Hallelujah. Just quick, one other thing. Uh, In the month of June, we're taking a team to northern Uganda, and it's uh, 15 days, 13 days of ministry. You'll minister in the prisons, on the streets, uh, with the children at the school, and also in the orphanage, or not in the orphanage, but to orphan kids. And uh, also, then we'll have a crusade in a safer part of Africa, the Uganda, where we'll see, I told last time, I said we'll probably have a crowd of 5,000 and, uh, but the crowd, the crowd grew to 16,000 people. And we had 15,000 recorded decisions for, for the Lord. Amen. And then the last two days are gonna be a safari in uh, uh, Queen, uh, Elizabeth Park. And uh, safari, see the animals and all the giraffes and little elephants and all that kind of stuff. And then also the hippos and the crocodiles and, and, and then take a boat ride down the Nile and then we're going to have one night where you sleep right out in the game park in a tent that has a toilet and a shower on the back. I don't know how that works. It's like a tent, but it's got, yeah, I've, I've been in it. And it's got a beautiful deck on the front with Adirondack chairs that you can just sit there and just watch the animals go by. And so it sounds like a nice trip, and uh, we've taken a few of them, and I think that I've been traveling Africa for 33 years, so I'm very comfortable taking trips. I know you'll get your money's worth, plus you'll also be able to be used by God, amen? And on Sundays, uh, we'll, we'll give you a chance, even if you've never preached before, if you have a desire to preach, we'll send you with an interpreter out to one of the churches, and you can preach. And if you mess it up, the pastor—he's—he's already—he already knows. He'll fix, you, fix it up after you leave. Hallelujah. But uh, if you do a good job, just leave it the way it is. Hallelujah. But—but but, uh, you know, it's a great safe place to try and learn how to preach. Hallelujah. And uh, great thing. Are you ready? Yes. Woo. Okay. How many want to go to Africa with me right now? Okay. Praise God. Is, you're gonna—you're gonna have nobody here in church in June, man. <laughs> praise God. If—let me just say—if you are remotely interested. Put your name down on the, uh, there's a place to put your email. And in the next couple of weeks, uh, my wife will send you some the on- uh, send you some more information. There is a, a note back there, a little bit, tell you a little bit about it. And then my wife can send you some more information. The only thing I require from your pastor is that your pastor, he's not going to say yes and no, whether you can go. He's not going to say yes, you can go, no, you can't. But he's going to, he's going to verify and confirm that you're not psycho. Cause I don't want to take any psychos with me. Okay, <laughs> how many think that's pretty fair? Right? <laughs> I just we took a we had a I don't know Peter. T- What's that? So just leave us the church police. <laughs> <laughs> good confession there brother <laughs> we had a pastor come with us and he we had a team of 30 people and half the team i collected and half he collected after there were half of them were for this church and one person really did go out of her tree and um, i was so glad that it was her it was his responsibility as a pastor there she's your responsibility you're going to deal with her hallelujah praise the lord and he did <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. So but it's a great time for ministry and you know everybody ought to you know think about doing something like this sometime in your lifetime. You know how how many think God could 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 come up with the resources for you to do it. You know God, you know God's not just to get by by the skin of your teeth, God. He's a he's a God who can provide vacations for you. Come on now. He can he can provide for hot dates for you. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. How many believe that one? Praise God, Pastor Jonathan believes that. <laughs> Hallelujah! Come on now, you are delaying me. Let's come on now. Get serious now. We got to get into the word. Come on now, focus. Okay, I want to just talk to you. Uh, I want to talk to you about measuring up. Everybody say measuring up. Measuring up. And you're going to see this takes a little curve, and I'm aiming for one thing. I'm aiming for one thing at the end of the service, for one thing. That is that you would have a desire to have an encounter, an encounter with Jesus. That's what I'm aiming for. i just tell you right off the bat, that's what I'm aiming for. Because I could go down and try to teach you how to reach the lost. I could tell you how to lay hands on the sick. I could tell you how to cast out devils. But if you don't have an encounter with Jesus, all it is is academics. Come on now, like I preached last night. You can have all the theology, the doctrine perfect. You can have everything going on in your church. But if there's no encounter, there's no empowerment. Amen? And we need the power of God in our life. We need an encounter. Amen? Praise God. This uh, A few uh, months ago, I was talking to God. How many know that's a good thing? Preachers should talk to God, you know. If they don't talk to God, then who are they talking to? You know, that's a good question there. And and uh, so I was talking to God, and I was I was asking the Lord about some of the things that I see going on in churches. And you got to understand that I travel in Canada in about thirteen different circles, and uh, and that's just out of necessity, I can't, I can't, I couldn't just travel in one circle because there's not enough churches that, you know, are able to, 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 to help me and, and, and I'm able to help them because, you know, there's, and so, because Canada's so spread out and so I travel in a lot of different circles and, and uh, yet there's a, there is, I, I'm excited because there is a spirit of God moving in all these circles, that there's God moving and there's a spirit of faith moving in many of them and there's where, where I, I feel that the majority of them are also moving in a realm of, of Encounter, hallelujah. And they're really seeking not just for good doctrine and good theology, but they're seeking for a, a, a real encounter with Jesus. Come on now. That's what's gonna take us into the next generation. That's what's gonna, you know, pass this thing on if the Lord tarries, amen. And so uh I was talking, but I was talking to God and I said, God, you know, I you know, I I've been in this thing for 52 years. That's as long as I am old because I was brought to church, you know, two days after I, I was born. And uh, and was there five times in one 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 day, and that's the old Pentecostal roots that I had, and it didn't really affect me too much, <laughs> but uh, but I was, <laughs> and I, but I was you know I was in the house of the Lord, and I've seen a lot in the house of the Lord. To have know not you know that not everything goes on in the house of the Lord is always great. True, right? I mean sometimes it's hallelujah, and some are like praise God. I do know what I'm talking about. When I was talking to the Lord, I said, Lord, what is it about, you know, this, uh, some of the couple of things that I'm seeing going on right now? And I was just talking to the Lord, and I was praying about it because, you know, sometimes as I travel, I realize I'm, I'm there to minister to the congregation, but also sometimes when I'm traveling, I realize that really the congregation is in the focus that God sent me to minister to the pastor. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's not like that here. You guys are healthy, and I understand that, but you should see some of the churches I go to. It's true. Zach shaking his head. goes, oh, no, we're going to that church. <laughs> and, uh, but you see, and so I was talking to God, and God said, we, I, I was g- getting out of the shower, and the Lord just said something to me, and it was like he just answered my question. He said, well, the reason why there are some problems and and difficulties and people problems and pride problems and arrogance problems and 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 lack of honor problems and all that kind of stuff, the Lord began to show me, and he, he said it this way, I'm walking, out of the shower and he says, that's because many people are saved don't really want to be a Christian. I said, what are you talking about? Because we always taught that if you get saved, then you are a Christian. But I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to start a new doctrine and start a new denomination, you know. I'm not going to go back because, you know, there was one that started, you know, you got saved and then you had the second work of grace, which was sanctification. And I think that all was birthed out of the fact that people were getting saved, but there is no change in their life. Are you listening to me right now? So I started saying, well, you know what, you know, and the Lord started showing me, he says, well, it's because there's a difference between, there's a lot of people in Canada that are saved and they're on their way to heaven, but they're little babies. Come on now, not you, not this church, but somewhere else, right? And uh, you know, it's good. and uh, and they're saved, and they're on their way to heaven, and they've only, in, like I said last night, they've encountered the mercy, they've encountered a little bit of favor, but they really haven't encountered the divine empowerment of God. Yes. Are you with me right now? Yes. Okay? And so, and so the deal is that, that I say, well, you know, uh, you know, why is it that there are so many people that either aren't Christians, I'm, not ta- I'm talking about the saved now, that aren't Christ-like and don't even know how to act Christ-like or don't even want to act Christ-like? Because there's some that they just don't even want to act Christ-like. They just want to go to heaven. Did you know that? But I believe this is a church you want to be Christians. How many want to be Christians? Whoa, praise God. I can say we had a whole bunch of converts tonight. Hallelujah. The whole Lloyd Minister Church became Christians. Hallelujah. One night. Hallelujah. But praise God, there's a difference. Somebody say there's a difference. There's a difference. There's a difference between a ba- being a baby on your way to heaven and being Christ-like. Yes. Our quest is to be Christ-like. So I said to the Lord, I said, I said, Lord, how come it is that some people either don't know how to be Christians or don't want to be Christians or don't want to be, want to be christ like and the Lord just—he said this to me. It's because most born-again people compare themselves among themselves. Yes. 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 And so it says here, in, and this is my text: Second Corinthians chapter ten, verse uh, ten, verse twelve. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who command themselves, but they that measure themselves by among themselves and compare themselves among themselves are not wise. Everybody say not wise. wise. What are you if you compare yourself with somebody else? What are you if you compare yourself with some other sister sitting on the other side of the church? What are you if you compare yourself with somebody else who yells louder than you do? Come on now. You're not wise. The Bible says we don't compare ourselves. We do, however, we boast, uh, we do not boast beyond measure, but within the limits or the sphere which God has uh, appointed us, a sphere or a measure which especially includes you. So what happens is people come into the church, and the Lord just showed me very clearly. People get saved, they come into the church, and so what they do is they begin to look around. And they look around and say, uh, and you, we don't start off doing this, but we start to compare ourselves by ourselves. Do we come and say, well, you know, I'm more spiritual than so-and-so because I'm here five minutes earlier than anybody else in church every Sunday. And somebody says, well, I don't come on time, but guess what? I give more money. And somebody else says, well, I don't show up very often at all, but when I do, I bring a bucket load. And everybody's got their different ways of measuring things. And somebody else says, man, I'm there all the time, and I yell and I scream. And as if your volume is going to make you more spiritual than somebody else. Some can have a deep move of God. I do believe that if you got something on the inside, your mouth will know about it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, amen. But some people just have big mouths. You talk to my wife. She's like, if Jesus ever talked to my wife, he'd say, now, Sharon, you're just wonderful. And he talks to me. He says, hey, Mark, why don't you shut up and sit down? Because <laughs> I know God knows how to speak your language. <laughs> Are you with me right now? You understand? And so, and so the, the, you know, we get into this mode where we start comparing ourselves among ourselves. And the Bible says we're not wise. And what, in essence, we do year after year, month, you know, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, we begin to be reduced down to the lowest common denominator. Yeah. Are you with me right now? And you look at, you know, I mean, you know, look, I mean, we think it's great to be in church on a Monday, but man, I I I, I remember when I was a kid, man, we had, we had 10 weeks of Mondays. I mean, I, we went to church one time to start a church and we went 21 weeks and then we started again. I mean, just, you know, we were in Bible college and we were in Bible college and they, they started one week of revival service and they, and they went for 17 weeks. We couldn't even study because we had no time to study. We had to be in church every night. Hey, listen to me, so I mean, so but it's, the deal is that little by little we start to look and we start to be reduced, and I'm not, I'm not saying that we should go back to 21 weeks of services or anything like that, but I say with, if God starts moving, maybe you might want to be in church 21, come on now, amen, and so what, my, 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 my point really basically is this, is that when we compare ourselves among ourselves, we're not wise. And so I want to just give you three, quickly, three uh, things, uh, a way to compare yourself. Because Paul the Apostle says, he said, there is a sphere or there is a measurement that you can compare yourself to. And there's also a measurement which especially includes you. So everybody say this, there's a way that I can measure. A way that I can measure. Now, the way you measure is not the way the world measures. The world measures with a micrometer. The world measures with a measuring tape. The world measures with, you know, kilometers and and, and scales and all that. But God measures in a different way. Come on now. What is the measure of a man? How do you measure a man? Well, you know, in the world we measure a person. we We get impressed by how much money they have. We get impressed by what kind of car they drive. Come on now. We get impressed by how many languages they know. We get impressed by how much influence they have. Come on now. We get impressed by how popular they are, right? We get impressed by what they do. But God's, you know, God doesn't look at us that way. Remember uh, Samuel went down to the house of Jesse and there's Elab and Shammah and Abinadab and the first one, Elab. Uh, you know, Samuel looks at him and he goes, Shazam, that's the man. And and uh, God says, don't you put your hands on him. And then there was Elab, there was Shammah, Abinadab. What was the other names of those guys there? They're not in the Bible. So I knew you'd know them if they were. Sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. They're not in the Bible. It says three brothers and then the other guys. They all paraded in front of Samuel. Come on now. Sorry. (laughs) They're not in the Bible. Come on. Saved by the bill. And, uh, you know, and so uh, they're not, you know, so, you know, Samuel's wondering. He's like, he's like, and God says when David comes on the scene, you know, this little redheaded little boy, you know, this. You know, coming in from the field. And And God says, that's the man there. And God's, and Samuel goes, no, that's not him. Can't be him. He's just a little boy. God says, no, that's him. God said, what you, and Samuel said, what you talking about? And and, and God says, no. He says, you look on the outward. I look on the heart. So, if you want to measure yourself, the measure of a man, the measure of a woman tonight is not how long your hair is or what color your hair is or how many teeth you got in your mouth. Come on now. You know, it's not what kind of clothes you wear, what kind of house you you, you live in, what car you drive, what kind of food you eat. I'm special. Yeah, you're all special, but come on now, you're all special. Whether you took a short bus to school or a long one, they're all special. <laughs> Praise God! And uh, and come on now. And uh, you know you are. Praise God! But understand this: that that really the way God measures you is on the inside. And the truth is, you can come here. You can nod your head. You can move a pen. You can take notes with your iPad. You can look spiritual. You can sing the songs. You can put money in the offering. But only God and you really know the condition of your heart. <laughs> I can get some I can get some, some, some I can get some some signs of where you might be at i can have a, I can have a word of knowledge from God where you might be at but truly truly, truly, God knows how much of your heart he has hallelujah is that right well then what's the what 's the measure of what 's the measure of success everybody say the measure of success well what 's the measure of success Well you know again you look at in the world the world measures success by how much education you have, how much money you have, how, many, how much influence you have. And I found out we brought that same kind of measurement right into, uh, in, into uh, pastoral conferences. You know, and we don't mean to do it. We don't mean to do it. I know that none of us actually want to judge anybody. But what happens is we're sitting there with a couple people, and all of a sudden somebody walks in and goes, oh, there goes Brother So-and-so. He's got a church of 10,000. And then somebody else walks in and, oh, there's brother so-and-so. Hasn't he been faithful? Now, we don't mean to do it, but what we're doing by saying what we're saying is, we're really impressed by that 10,000, and we're kind of impressed by this guy just hanging on. Mm-hmm. Are you listening to me right now? Yes. And God doesn't look at it that way. He doesn't look at it, I'm sorry, I, I, I believe that God wants us to bear fruit. But, uh, you know, every tree uh, has a different... A threshold. Every tree has an ability to bear, bear different fruit, right? Some, some trees are very small. They can only be, produce a little bit of fruit. Some trees are big. Come on now. But God doesn't, you know, see, we look, so we look, we get impressed by all that. And, uh, you know, just I'll give you this illustration. Like, what if there was a pastor who pastored in a town of 500,000? That's a Canadian number. And uh, he's pastored in a town of 500,000, and he's got a church of 5,000. And uh, everybody thinks, whoa, man, that's a pretty big church for Canada. Right? Come on now. And so he's like, you know, well, and then you, and then some other pastor, he's pastoring, he's got a church of 12 and a half people in a little town of 60 people, and there's, no, and there's no, you know, there's no other towns for the next three hours, and he's got a church of 12 and a half people, and he's had it for, you know, 15 or 20 years. And so, you know, in the natural, we'd look and think, wow, look at that guy, he's got a church of 5,000. Well, the other guy's got a church in 12 and a half. The, guy, the guy's got a church of 500, a town of 5,000, a city of five, 500,000. He's got what? He's got what? 1%. The guy's got 12 and a half, if it was possible to have 12 and a half. In a town of 7 he's got what? He's got like what? Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Salute. You know, a little town. I mean, what am I saying? What if, you know, what if that pastor, that pastor's a church of 12 and a half, really only had the ability when he and only had the gifting really if you will, to pastor a church of 6 people, but God took him in the exceedingly, abundantly, above all, he could ask for think. And what if that pastor is pastoring a church of 5,000, really had the ability and the calling to pastor a t- church of 10 or 12,000, but he's been lazy? So God doesn't measure all that stuff the way you, the measure of success is really your obedience to the will of God. (laughs) Come on, that's, that's it. That's the, that's in a nutshell. I don't think Jesus looked too successful when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood. He, He didn't look too successful, but he was successful in the eyes of God. Come on now. And sometimes we just look, you know, sometimes we just say, well, you know, I, don't, I would rather do this because it looks more successful. Let me tell you, if you'll do what God calls you to do, God will bring you into a place of victory and into a place of reward. And I shock people when I tell people that I don't really want to go to North Africa. I do. I shock people. They say, what? I thought it was a joy to serve. Well, of course it's a joy to serve the Lord. Just not over in North Africa. No, it's okay. No, what I'm saying is I don't really want to go over there. It's 45 degrees. I don't really like the weather. I don't really like the food. All I enjoy is seeing people saved. I enjoy people seeing them healed. But guess what? When it's over, I'm happy to go home. Are you with me right now? And I do it as obedient to God. See, if you really understand, if you want to be a success in the eyes of God, you've got to ask the Lord. There comes a time in your maturity in the Lord where you're not a baby anymore, you're not just saved, but there comes a time in your walk with God that if you want to be successful, then you'll ask God, what do you require of me? Right? I have pastors come up to me all the time. Well, uh, bless God, I'm so glad to see you, Brother Mark, because I wouldn't want to go there. I say, well, if you wouldn't want to go there, that's fine. But if you wouldn't go there, that's not. That's right. That's right. Are you with me right now? Yes. Like, I mean, if you if you wouldn't go there, then you got a problem with your heart, and you don't really love God. I can understand you saying, "I don't. I really wouldn't want to go there." I understand you saying, "I'm really not called there." I understand that I'm, when you say, "I'm glad it's you, Mark," but I, I get all that. But if you really deep, and I know there are some that just are basically saying, "I would not go there," and I'm like, "Are you really saved, or are you just a Christian?" Do you understand what I'm saying? So, the measure of a man is the condition of your heart. The measure of, the measure of success is, uh, is your obedience to the will of God. Here's the third one. The measure of spirituality. Here's a fun one. What is the measure of spirituality? Well, when I was a kid, I used to think that, you know, uh, the, the most spiritual women were the women with the highest, you know, Tower of Babels on top of their head. You know, they'd wrap it around a 48 ounce can of tomato juice, and they'd build the most. And and you know, tell you what, they didn't use makeup back then, and uh, you know, uh, you know, they had the mustache and you know the big the big mole on their face with three hairs hanging out of it long enough to to braid. And uh, that, you know, they you know they was ugly, man. The good the good thing about that church I went to, the the adultery rate was very low because the woman was just too ugly, you know. <laughs> Okay, now listen to me. I'm just joking around. But see, I used to think, I used to look at, when I was a kid, I thought, well, that's a spiritual woman. She's got that big tower. My grandmother, my grandmother said to me, she said, look, you said, look at that, look at that, look at that preacher up there. He's a spiritual man. I said, how do you know, grandmama? She said, well, look at his trousers. I said, what about his trousers? She said, look at how they're all worn out at the knees. I said, grandmama, he only wears those trousers on Sunday. He's got a nice shiny pair all week long, but on Sunday he puts on those trousers. I got got cuffed in the ear for that one. Or when I was Bible college, you know, the Lord spoke to me about going down to prayer in the prayer room, and i get up at 6 o'clock, and man, that was, my God, that was that was yeah. obedience. <laughs> Let me tell you, I always thought that if God wanted me to see the sunrise, he would have made it later on in the day. Come on now. <laughs> and so, come on now. And so I'm getting, I'm down in this, I get down in the prayer room, and I'm down there, and I'm like, Lord, hallelujah. I'm trying to wake up, you know, hallelujah. And I, this is Ralph Coolidge Campbell, he comes down with his pillow and his blanket. <laughs> Ralph Coolidge Campbell III. And he's down there with his pillow and his blanket. He's, he's, we're both in prayer. I don't know what kind of prayer. I think he was like in dreams and visions or something like that. <laughs> I know one time he, 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 I was yelling at God, talking to God, you know, and I'm talking, I got to move because I I'll fall asleep at 6 o'clock in the morning. I mean, it's still dark outside, man. You're supposed to be sleeping. And uh, I'm I'm walking back and forth and praying, and he gets out, he opens his eyes, squinty eyes, and he says, can't you be quiet? I said, no, Ralphie, baby. We almost had a fight in the the prayer room, you know, I said, fight broke out in the prayer room. Fight, 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 fight. (laughs) Supposed to be praying. I said, Ralphie, baby, if you want to sleep, why don't you just stay in bed? Good point, right? Yeah. But we got all these matters. You know, remember how many remember the Laughing Revival? Yeah. You remember the move of God when? You know, I think most of it was God. Some of it wasn't, but most of it was. But you could have two people laying on the ground laughing and just rolling around. One person is really touching God and getting blessed, and the other person is rolling around like, act, acting like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> one's connected, one's not. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? What, what then is the measure of spirituality? How do you measure how spiritual you really are? Come on now. This is a good good question to ask, right? The condition of your heart proves what kind of person you are. Come on now. How obedient proves how successful you are. But how Christ-like proves how spiritual you are. Did you hear that? Now you should be getting something out of this. Because the deal is to say, the question and this is not, it's not how loud you yell or scream or shout or dance and all that. That's all good. I'm not nervous about that. I grew up in it. I love it all. I'm, I'll go with it. I'll swing on the chandelier. You guys want to swing? We'll swing tonight. Praise God. We'll just grab a hold of it and we'll just go. Come on now. Are you, are you with me? I have no problem with any of that. But the deal is simply, if you want to know how spiritual you are, you've got to ask yourself how Christ-like you are. Right. Like, how long does it take you to say you're Sorry. And how, you know, it's tax time. How honest are you on your taxes? Come on now. And how do you treat your wife? And how do you treat your husband? Come on now. That would actually prove how spiritual you are. Are you with me right now? And we got it all out of whack because we just go around. It's like, it's like you got, the, you got the, the spiritual people. It's like they the police in the church and say, oh, that's spiritual. That's not spiritual. That's spiritual. That's... And you go to one church and everybody's got a different measure of spirituality. If you're not careful, you just get, you know, get all confused. But you can just make it sure that if you know that your heart is clean before God, then you'll know that you're a man, a woman of God. You can know that if you're obedient to God, then you know that you're a success in the eyes of God. And you can know that if you're Christ-like, then you know that you're spiritual. Which brings me to a little little diddly point that you got. It's a very important point that I just got to poke in here. I heard one person after you know, say to me, well, you know, if I'm going to be Christ-like, then I don't need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what they told me. They said, well, Christ never spoke in tongues. And Christ, Christ, Christ wasn't, you know, he. and I said, well, you see, if you are Christ-like, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes and teaches you how to be Christ-like. Amen. And in fact, you need not just a little bit of the Holy Ghost, you need a lot. And the fact that you just said that tells me you need a whole lot more than you. <laughs> But you see, Jesus had the Spirit without measure. Right. And so he didn't need, he, he said, when I go, I'm sending the Holy Spirit back to you. Because I got all of him now. I'm going up there. He's coming down, and he's going to fall on you. Hallelujah. So you need to ask yourself how spiritual. Now, flip over to John chapter 13, because I'm taking you on a journey. This is, I'm setting you up for something. How many believe I can do it? Hallelujah. How many are enjoying us? Say yes or no. Hallelujah. Say no, you can leave now. God bless you. John. 13, here it is, John 13, says this, just keep that in mind, measuring up, everybody say measuring up. measuring up, keep that in mind now, see, and Jesus, knowing the Father had given all things in his hands, that he had come from God, that he had, he was going to God, he rose up after supper, come on now, laid aside his garment, took a towel, girded himself, and after that he poured water. In a basin, begin to wash the feet of the disciples. Now, firstly, I want you to see this. You want to be free from insecurity, inferiority, and insufficiency. you got to measure, memorize this scripture. Because the Bible says Jesus knew where he came from, and he knew where he was going to, and he knew who's paying the bills. Come on now. you got to know who you came from. you got to know where you're going to, and you got to know who's taking care of your bills. Come on now. Because I've come to a point and conclusion that no church owes me anything. Hallelujah. No person owes me anything. God is my source. Hallelujah. He works through people. And when I say that, some pastors say, oh, praise God. I'll just give them a small offering." that's all right. If they want to do that, that's between God, them, whether they're honest and integrous or whatever, whether that's between them and God, God still takes care of me. Are you with me right now? I know who called me. I know who I'm giving account to. And I know who's paying my bills. And the Bible says that, Jesus. I was one time, just, just two years ago, I'm um, in, um, in Timmons, and we got our tent crusaded, and we're doing it. And during the, during the day, we decided to have a car wash, and it was just a We Love Timmons car wash. Well, we got a tent. Well, one of the French guys comes up and he says, hey, what you doing, evangelist Mark Davy? He said, why are you washing the cars? You're the big time evangelist. You're a big man of God. You Why are you washing cars? You should not be washing the cars. He said, you should be preaching the gospel. I said, if you notice right now, there's nobody in the tent. I'm just washing cars because everybody else is washing cars, and we're inviting people to come to the tent tonight. I don't have any problem. I can wash a car. I can hold a microphone in my hand. I can preach to 10 people. I can preach to 10,000 people. I can preach to 65,000 people. It don't bother me one bit. I travel across this Canada. I had one evangelist tell me, he said, if I went to the churches you went to, I would have a psychological problem. That's what he said. He said, I couldn't stand traveling in such small churches. I said, I don't care. I, I'm in a big church one day and I'm in a small church the next. It don't bother me one way. I could care less. Wherever go, where he leads me, I'll follow. As a matter of fact, I just enjoy going to some t- small towns and just blessing the pastor and seeing the people excited about Jesus. Small towns should have the move of God as well, Amen. Amen. And, you know, not that the pastor can't make it, but I'm just saying, everybody, you know, everybody has a right, you know, you shouldn't have to, shouldn't just be Dallas and Tulsa, come on now, and you know what I'm talking about. So I'm just happy, he says, what you doing there? Washing the car, man, what you doing? You're the big man of God, eh? (laughs) I said, well, you know, I can do it because I, I know who I am. I know who called me, I know who called me, I know who's paying my bills, and I know I'm giving account to you, right? Are you listening to me? So Jesus, Jesus, Son of God, our Savior, girded his loins up, took a towel over, threw it over his arm, and began to wash the feet of the disciples. Now, you know, and the first disciple says, okay, come on, bring it on, Jesus. The second one said, okay, you can wash my feet. Peter says, "Uh uh-uh, Jesus, you're not touching me. You're not washing my feet. And Jesus said to Peter, he said, if I don't wash your feet, you will have no part in what I want to do with you next. You'll have no part of me. In other words, what he was saying is, if you don't let me teach you this lesson, you will not get to the next level because up till now you're saved and up till now all I've been is your savior and your healer and your provider but I want to teach you something and so Peter goes into consumer mode okay Jesus you want to wash my feet wash my armpits wash my hair wash me behind the ears? just wash all of me Jesus (laughs) sounds like most people at church I just want it all what do you want from God today? I just want it all. Well, you know what? I'll just tell you something. It's all right to get it all. Uh, you know, if Jesus promised healing tonight, then get your healing. Yeah. Jesus promised peace from your troubled mind, get peace tonight. Come on. If, if you're confused, find a God who will give you uh, peace in your mind, hallelujah, and take away your troubledness, hallelujah. And if you're, if you're broke, uh, find him to be your provider, but don't just get enough for yourself. Get some for somebody else. Yeah. What Jesus was trying to do was take these people and shift them from being consumers to being carriers. Because Jesus turns around and says, if I wash your feet, I am your Lord, your Savior, your Master. If I, being your Lord, your Savior, your Master, have washed your feet, you ought also to do the same. So what are we going to do? Tomorrow night, I want to announce we're having a foot washing service here. No, we're not. No, we're not. Why? Because because no place in the Bible is foot washing to be an ordinance. We have an ordinance of communion. Because Jesus said, do this as often, uh, to remember me, my death, my burial, my resurrection. And we have the, what else do we have? We have water, we have water baptism, because we're told to repent and then be baptized, that the times of refreshing might come, hallelujah. And this promises our children, and our children's children, and many as far off, even as many as the Lord God shall call. And so we do those things on a regular basis, but we were not told to have a foot washing service. However... The principle needs to be applied. Yes, come on, Jesus said, "If I, being your master, have become your servant, you ought to serve other people." Come on, somebody say, "I gotta serve somebody." Yes. So you gotta serve him, then you gotta serve somebody. That's right. You see, you gotta serve him, then you gotta serve somebody. Like Bob Dylan said, "You gotta serve somebody." Too bad he didn't remember that, but 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 you got to serve the lord and then and then you understand that 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 really what Jesus was trying to teach the disciples cuz from that moment on he's trying to take them from consumer mode into carrier mode everybody say shift. shift what i believe the lord is doing right now that is going to carry a great weight of glory is he's trying to shift the church from selfish mode into serving mode yeah. And I heard Jerry Savell, I've heard other preachers this year all come up and say this, that one of the biggest things we're going to battle with in 2014 is selfishness right in the church. It's one of the biggest things. The Bible says in the last days people will be lovers of themselves. And even Christians... We'll I was in a church a few, I'm not going to tell you where it was, but the church was like, the first night, it was like nine people, then the next night, it was like 35 or 40, so like small town, and uh, I, I, you know, the, the first night, it was like tough as nails, Isaac. Eh, and I asked them if they were, because it was a long church, I asked them if they'd move up, and they like, they were like, they were like, they weren't, you could tell they weren't like, what were they doing in church? You could tell, like, they weren't even. If I were in a bingo hall and I had asked them to move up, you know, say, say somebody interrupted the bingo and said, Mark's going to speak just for two minutes, tell everybody, you know, the things that are happening in North Africa. And, he, and if I said, could you just gather a little closer, most people would have just come up. They wouldn't have even thought of it. I asked people to move up, and one guy, like, three or four people in the back I right, sitting on the back, row, right, like, I was like saying, you don't want to move up, get out of here right now. Get out of here. That's what I felt like
3: saying.
1: Uh, it was like tough, 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 tough. Some Christians are tough. But tough, they're just there for themselves. They're just like, oh, well, that's whatever's convenient for me. Just like if I like it, I'll stay. If I don't like it, I'll stay. I won't go, I'll go. If I, I want to give, I'll give. If I don't feel like giving, I won't give. No wonder you got so little of God in your life. Mm, come on. You're so uncommit- uncommitted. Come on now. Mm-hmm. Come on now. Right? But see, what God's trying to do, I don't know why I told you that story. It's interesting. But it, You know, the deal is simply this, that God's trying to take us from selfishness into serving. He's trying to take us into from consumer mode. Now, there's nothing wrong with getting everything you can get from God. Nothing wrong with that. But it ain't just about you, baby. It's about your children. It's about your grandchildren. It's about your neighborhood. It's about your city. For God's sake, for your sake, for the city's sake, get more of God than you need for yourself. Get some for somebody else. When we talk about measuring up, the person we need to measure up is to Jesus. And so Jesus, Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Not your favorite preacher that you can switch off with the remote control. Well, I didn't like what he said, so I just turned him off. Well, aren't you good? I didn't like what the preacher was preaching, so I just plugged my ears. Well, goody for you. Well, that's what people do. Some of you have been doing it. Well, same manner, ouch, but come on now. So, okay, so what Jesus was trying to do, he's trying to get the disciples to shift. Everybody say shift. Shift. He said, if I, being your Lord and Savior, have washed your feet, you ought to do the same. No, he wasn't telling us that we need to go and wash everybody's feet. He was just saying we need to be servants. So then I started saying, well, okay, Christ, you said, I want to be like Christ. I want to be a Christian. How many want to be Christians? So I went over to Matthew 12 for a few minutes. And I was just studying this. I don't know, God just threw this together one day when I was just studying. And I went over to the book of Matthew, and I said, okay, fine. I'm just Matthew chapter 9, rather. And I said, well, God, Jesus, what were you like? What did you do? Because, you know, mostly when I was a kid, we learned about Jesus, and we learned about how loving and how kind he was, and we learned how we had to have the fruits of the Spirit working in our life, and we'd sing songs to be like Jesus. All I ask is to be like him, all on life's journey from earth to glory. Anybody know it? All I ask to be like him, and we'd just like, we'd all go quiet and just be quiet as a church mouse and just try to be so nice, just like Jesus. So every time we talk about being like Jesus, we, talk about, we always think about character. And I'll character. You know, I'll tell you something, you can have all the gifts in the world, you don't have any character, you're not going to go very far. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not against that, but I'm an evangelist. And I want to just, so when I want to say I'm an evangelist, I'm also concerned about what we do. Come on now. As a matter of fact, God was concerned about what we do. Because Jesus in John chapter 14, he said, the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. So how many know God's into the works business? Amen. And did good works, hallelujah. And so I I started asking the Lord. I said, what? You know, Jesus, just show me. I know you're nice and I know you're kind and I know you're loving. I know you're miracle work and all that. But just show me a little bit about what you did on a different angle. And I I was reading through Matthew chapter 9. And the first thing that came out to me, verse 10, is that they came to Jesus. Okay, now see this, watch this. We're talking about measuring up. They came to Jesus. Now, see, now, I've heard this for years now because there's a big move right now, even in evangelical churches, to shut us up and to get us to stop talking about the cross. Churches that used to preach on the cross, you know, have have said, look, we'll just, you know, we'll just live the life. And there's churches that don't talk about the cross or the power of the cross. They've gone to preaching on psychology and sociology and, you know, betterment skills and all kinds of stuff like that. Come on now. How many know that? And they preach on that. And then they wonder why nobody's getting saved in their church. Or they wonder why nobody in their church knows how to get anybody saved. But guess what? If you're in church three years in a row and there's never a salvation appeal, there's never a salvation message, how are the people in the church who go to the church going to know how to get somebody saved if the pastor doesn't know how to get anybody saved? That's Right? 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 So then, I, you know, so then the big phrase has been, I've heard it for years now. Well, Brother Mark, I'm, I know you're just out there winning the lost and praying for people, and you're always trying to get people excited about sharing the gospel, but I'm just going to live the life. Okay, that's a good argument. Good. I asked the question. I said, Lord, if my life is so good, how come more people aren't beating down my door? And I've asked myself, how come, when is it that people actually come to me? I found out, it says, it says right here in verse 10, it says, well, Jesus yet spake, they came unto him. Mm. So that tells me if you want people to come unto you, you are going to actually have to, how come you got the wrong verse up there? It says here, it says here, verse 10, verse 10. Yeah, I got it. Verse 13. It says, well, it's verse 13. Well, he yet spake these things. A ruler came to him. Well, he spoke. Everybody say, Well, he spoke. Well, he spoke. Now, listen to me. Everybody say, Well, he spoke. Well, he spoke. So, I, I tell you something right now. If you want people to start coming to you, you got to start speaking. Yes. Yes. I tell you, they will not come to you unless you speak. Right. They are not going to come and poke around and say, Why do you live such a nice life? Because you know, there's people out there that don't know Jesus that live nice lives. Sure. There's people out there that are prosperous that don't know Jesus. There's people that have good manners. I live on a street uh, where really I've never heard one of my neighbors ever curse. They're just good, well-mannered people. Not all of them are saved, although I have, you know, half my block is saved. I'm trying to get the other half saved, but half my block is saved. But the ones who aren't saved, they don't, they don't talk bad. They're good, clean-lived. They have good morals. They would, you know, they just, they're not, they're not beating down my door. Unless you open your mouth, nobody's coming to you. The Bible says, well, Jesus yet spake. People, thousands, by the thousands, come to my crusades because I opened my mouth. Come on, are you listening to me right now? Yeah. And people will come to you as you open your mouth, and I just want to caution you how you open your mouth. We don't have to use, you know, 19, you know 18, 15, 16th century English to talk to people now. Come on, this is 2014. God can give you a new tongue and a new way of communicating. Come on now. If he knows our language, how many know he can help you to communicate with other people? But we got to open our mouth. Yeah. Well, he had to speak. They came. I said, God, how come, Jesus, how come more people aren't coming to me? I don't want to just be a consumer. I want to be a carrier. I was in, I was in, a, in a mall a few years ago, and the Lord told me, he said, go buy a computer. And so I said, well, what, go buy a computer? I don't need a computer, God. He said, go buy a computer. I said, okay, Lord, you want me to buy a computer? I'll buy a computer. He said, "He said, go into the radio shack. You know, how many of you are going to buy a computer? You don't buy a computer at the source. You don't buy one at- so I, mean, I walked in. I'm just being obedient to God. I walk in there and some people try to buy a computer, sell me a computer. Finally, the, this other guy comes up to me and he says, I'll make you a deal right now. He says, I'll give you this computer for this price and I'll give you this program, that program, this program, that program. By the time I'm finished, he had 10 more programs. I said, how much is it going to cost you? He said, I told you the price already. I'd give you all that stuff for free. He said, furthermore, he says, I'll put all these programs on your computer for free. I said, Really? I said, I don't want you to get in trouble with the manager. He says, I am the manager. <laughs> I said, well, you know, that's great. He says, but I can't do it here in front of all these employees. Otherwise, they'll think they can do the same thing. He said, so you're going to have to come to my house. I said, okay. He said, come at nine thirty. So I go to his house. He's an Arab. I come to his house at 9.30, I'm at a a conference, I go to the crusade, Uh, I go to the conference, and then at 9.30, I go and ring his door, ding dong, Avon no, uh, ding dong, and I ring the doorbell. He opens the door, and he goes, this is his exact words, he goes, oh yeah, 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 the computer. You know this isn't about computers, don't you? I said, what's it about? He says, I don't know, but it ain't about computers. I said, really, what's it about? He says, I don't have a clue, but you got something I want. I said, well, what is it? He says, I don't know, but you got something I need. I said, well, well we're trying to figure that out. Why don't you just work on my computer? <laughs> my mom didn't raise no nut. He was working on putting all these programs on my computer for three hours, and I'm just poking around. and saying, what do you think it is? He said, I don't know. So finally about, you know, 1.30 in the morning, I call my wife and says, honey, I'm okay. I'm with an Arab. Um, he's putting some programs on my computer, and I'm okay, but I'm just going to stay for a little while more while I lead him to Jesus, and then I'll be home. And so, I hang up the phone, and I said, I said, what you need is Jesus in your life. And he just jaw drops down. He begins to weep and cry. He says, that's what you got that I want. I need Jesus in my life. Hallelujah. And he gave his heart to the Lord. So, but he didn't finish my computer. And my mama didn't raise no nut. So, I said, hey, come back again. He said, will you come back tomorrow night? He said, I said, I'll come back tomorrow night. You can finish it. 9.30, I go back, ring the doorbell. He opens the door. He says, oh, yeah, yeah, the computer. You know this isn't about computers. I said, what is it about? He said, it's about Jesus. And he opens the door, and there's 45 other Muslims in the house. And he said, will you tell them what you told me? Now, listen, I'm not saying that story to to, to brag on myself. I'm just saying that I have stepped into this carrying thing sometimes, and I want to carry Jesus. I don't want to just be saved. I want to be a Christian. Are you with me right now? And so they came to Jesus. I said, what else do you like, Jesus? What else happened in your life? And and then then down to verse, uh, you got it down to verse, uh, is it verse 20? Verse 20, it says this, And suddenly a woman had a flow of blood, 12 years. And from her she came and she touched the hem of Jesus' garment. You got that? Did I give you the right scripture? I can hardly read my, 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 my text. is so small. And, uh, and so verse 20, and so it says she touched him. Now you know the story about the woman with the issue of blood. Come on, you know she, you know went all the doctors and she spent all she had and we all know that story and I'm not going to I'm not going to spend a long time on it but I just want to say, want you to say something. Why did she touch Jesus? There were priests on every corner. They all had the religious garb on. They all had their phylacteries. Uh, they all had that big scriptures on their head and the little Scriptures hanging from their robe, and, you know, and so you would go if you hadn't. They were the go-to people. For hundreds and hundreds of years, the priests and the scribes and the Pharisees, why did this woman come to touch Jesus? Well, evidently, she thought that Jesus had something she needed. Yeah. <laughs> and the Bible says she touched them of Jesus came. And virtue flowed over us. Now, see, now, I don't know. You might have been smarter than me. I think you're probably a lot smarter than me. Because you're a paint by numbers guy. And I'm a bucket. <laughs> I just take the bucket and throw it on the wall and hope everybody gets saved. This guy paints by number. He's a teacher. I'm saying that and I've honored that. I'm, I'm respectful. But you see, uh, and so I used to think, you know, this woman came. She touched Jesus. Jesus said, Who touched me? She finally fessed up. Then Jesus said, Okay, get healed. Now, I know it doesn't read that way, but you gotta understand, I got some blockage up here or something. I don't know. I know you're all smarter than me. But you see, I'm thinking, I'm, but really what it was is Jesus walked in, he's on his way to minister to raise somebody from the dead. And somebody touched him with Jesus' garment, and the Bible says he didn't even make a decision. He didn't even decide. He didn't say, yes, no, maybe wait. He didn't say, you know, when you get to heaven, you can heal. Because he doesn't say that anyways, right? And uh, he just—he didn't say nothing. He's just walking all of a sudden. The power, the virtue goes out of him. That's right. And he says, who touched me? Because, man, I just got drained of some of my power. And she said, it was me. And he says, man, you already got healed. Just go your way. Your faith has already healed you. Right? But I looked at the word virtue. Everybody say Virtue. virtue. What does that word virtue mean? It means, are you ready for this? Hallelujah. Ready? Virtue. Everybody say virtue. Virtue. It says, credible power, available on demand for external use. Everybody say, credible power, available on demand for external use. I'm thinking, woo, I want to be a Christian. Credible power. Available on demand for external use. Do you believe that somebody could get healed by just being in your presence without even asking you to pray for them? I know it's possible because Peter's shadow healed the sick. I was in a in a, a Chinese church in Toronto a few years ago, a couple years ago, and 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 this little Filipino man came up to me and said, "Oh, brother Mark, he says I got to confess to you." I said, "I don't want to hear you confessing." He said, I got to repent. I said, no, just repent to Jesus. I don't want to hear any more stuff. I said, I'm not, you know, just tell it to Jesus. Tell it to you. He's a friend that's true. You know, tell it to Jesus. Just tell Jesus. I don't want to hear it. He said, but I sinned against you. I'm like, oh, this should be good now because I wouldn't have known it if you did sin against me. What would you do? And he said, well, he said, last time. He's crying. He says, last time you were here. He said, I stole your hanky. And I'm like, oh, boy. Like, I mean, after I'm finished preaching most of the time, just get a pair of tong- tongs and, you know, dispose of them, burn them. Get it, get it out. It's deadly. Come on. You don't, want, you don't want my hanky. I started laughing. I said, what did you do with it? He said, I packed it up, and he it sent it to the Philippines. I said, well, what happened there? I said, they put it on the pillow of somebody who was dying with cancer. And, uh, and she was on, in a coma. She was given three more days to live. And they, and, and, and they put it on her pillow. I, I, I said, you put it on her pillow? I'm thinking, that's real sterile. You know, all my sweat and goober and all that mook, moogie and all that stuff, you know. And, and uh, you know, come on, I'm just trying to be, you know, real. Because and, uh, and, it doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't make any sense at all. And, uh, and, and they put it on her pillow. And I said, well, What happened? He said the very next day she came out of her coma. They did an analysis on her body, all the cancer left her body, and she's totally completely healed. I looked at her and said, I, I'm like I'm happy, okay, I'm ready to shout. But I said, Is that true? No, he said, It's not that I don't believe in miracles, I'm just not interested in broadcasting something that's not accurate. Because how many know Jesus doesn't need our help? We don't need to be exaggerators. Just tell the truth. I said, How do you know it's true? He said, Well, she's right here in this room right now. And he calls a little girl over here. He said, This is my fiance, we're gonna get married in three weeks. Oh, Praise God. God. Yeah. Now see now you gotta get the whole point. It's not because I was holier than Swiss cheese. It's not because I shando shundied. Sometimes people get nervous, you know, pastors get nervous before the service because I'm looking at their bookshelves, and, you know, I'm sitting there quiet, and they say, are you stirred up? You're the evangelist. Are you stirred up? Are you ready at go? We've got to have something happen tonight. Don't you have to go in emergency tongues? No, I don't. <laughs> don't you have to do some of that Pentecostal Tourette's? <laughs> I don't. I really don't. Because I have a treasure, an earthen vessel, Christ in me, the hope of glory. And I didn't even know it, but virtue came out of my body. I didn't even know it. Now, I'm not saying this stuff to get you to think I'm great and I'm wonderful wouldn't it be nice to be like me? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I've stepped into this thing from time to time and I really, really, really want to be a Christian. How many want to be Christians, man? Come on. Let me, let me finish this thing up. They, they came to him. They touched him. Then the Bible says down another verse, they followed him. Everybody say followed. Follow. They followed him. And you know, when you're a baby, you do what babies do. And uh, I think it's verse 27, they followed him. And when you're a baby, you do what babies do. When you're a baby, your mom and your dad follow you. When you're a baby, whoever's taking care of you follows you. That's what, pa- that's what a lot of pastors do in churches. They're just following all their converts because they're just little babies and they're getting in trouble all the time. Come on now. Are you listening to me right now? But I don't want to just be saved.
0: That's
1: right. I mean, to be born is a, is a great thing, but it's, a, it's actually a great thing to grow up. Yes, it is. Praise God. To, it's a nice thing to get, those, get rid of those diapers. Yes. Amen. Yes. Come on now. Come on now. I know what I'm talking about. It's a nice thing to learn how to talk. It's a nice thing to be able to add. It's a nice thing. Come on now. It's a nice thing to be able to handle yourself. Come on now. It's a nice thing that I don't have to stand over my son 24 hours a day and make sure he doesn't fall down the stairs. Come on. Are you listening to me right now? Because my son's growing up. And when you grow up, when you're a baby, you do what babies do. You act like a baby. You talk like a baby. But Paul said there comes a time in a believer's life where you have to say, follow me as I follow Christ. So may I ask you a question. How many people are coming to you? How many people are touching you? How many people are following you? <laughs> well, Brother Mike, I got a Facebook account. <laughs> I got 39 followers. And they're hanging on every word you say too, I'll tell you. <laughs> I know they're hanging on, they can't wait till they, they just say, when is that person coming out? This I cannot live without it. Just, oh, just Please put something on. Just had pizza. <laughs> Stupid, stupid, stupid. Come on now. But I found out, man, if you'll walk the walk of God, there'll be people following you. Come on now. Hallelujah. When you got people following you all around, trying to keep you out of trouble, you're a baby. Baby, baby, baby. It's time to grow up. Come on now. I want to be a Christian. Come on, I want to be a Christian. Amen. Come on, I want, Christian. I want to be a Christian. Now I'm going to take you down the road. They, they came to Jesus. They touched Jesus. They followed Jesus. Are you ready? Then it says this. Jesus had, he was moved. Verse, verse 38, 36. It said he was moved. Everybody say he was moved. He was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. Now listen, I'm going to take you someplace you don't want to go right now because Jesus was moved with compassion. Wrong glasses. <laughs> Jesus, pray for my eyes. Hallelujah. Jesus was moved with compassion. Now somebody say, "Well, well, brother Mark, you got me, I, I, you got me feeling bad right now." Because really, now don't listen to me. I'm not. This is not a condemnation service, so don't get condemned. But I know if you're sitting here right now, already you're saying. Well, gee, you know, I thought oh, I came here to get blessed, but really, nobody's nobody's coming to me, nobody's touching me, nobody's following me, and he just said, moved. And Jesus was moved with compassion, and I'm now very moved. <laughs> Come on, now, if I if I had you put up your hands, some of you would you'd admit it. You're not very moved. I want to take you to a place where you don't, the Bible says when he saw he he saw the people, he was moved with compassion. This is Jesus. This is not a baby. This is not somebody just saved. This is Christ, who we are supposed to follow, who we are supposed to be like. Come on now. And it says, he was moved with compassion. Let me take you down a road you don't want to go. Have you been moved when you look at your neighbors next door and realize that they don't know Jesus? Have you been moved when you look at your parents and realize that your parents have not yet made a commitment to Jesus? Are you moved when you realize that your kids are not walking with Jesus? Come on now. Are you moved? Does it bother you? Do you realize that there is a heaven and there is a hell and there is only one life and it will soon be passed and every man will stand before God and every man will give an account for himself. And Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am you might be also, but there's a hell. And Jesus said there is a place where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched and the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched and the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched and somebody said, man, I was enjoying this message but I'm not enjoying it so much right now because I'm not really moved with compassion. Now look at me right now for a second because I know I'm not trying to take you to a bad spot but I'm trying to help you to see that if we're going to measure up to something, we need to measure up to Christ. Are you with me right now? Yes. And there is a journey that we got to take. It's not just about being saved and going to heaven. It's not just about us getting our miracle, although there's lots of miracles tonight. It's not about us just getting our finances and our needs met. It's about us trying to move, to shift from consumer to carrier, to shift from selfish to server. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody realize what I'm talking about right now. So I know you're looking at me right now and saying, well, Brother Mark. He's got me all depressed now. I'm really not like Jesus. Let me try to, fix, me try to give you an answer right now because I told you the whole purpose of this is move you into an encounter with Jesus. Everybody say encounter. encounter. When I was a young boy, I heard a story. Hallelujah. I heard a story about a hunchback prince. He was hunched over. He would walk every morning in the cool of the garden when the dew was on the roses and he, he was hunched back and so he couldn't stand straight, and he'd walk in the garden just contemplating life, and every once in a while, the sun would begin to glisten through the clouds, and the ambient lights would begin to shine, and once in a while, the sun would shine, and he'd look to the left, and there was a brazen gate, and he'd look in that mirror, and he'd look and see himself all bent over, and he didn't like what he saw, and so the story goes that he would move away quickly from that brazen gate, because he didn't like what he saw, one day a sculpture came, sculptor came and said to him, I want to make a sculpture of you. And the, and, and, the, and the hunchback prince says, oh, no, not me. You see, I don't like the way I look and I don't want anybody to remember me the way I am. I don't like what I see in the mirror. He said, I really don't. I cannot allow you to make a sculpture of me. But the sculptor, he was a very wise man, he said. I've, I've made sculptures of all the important people, kings and princes. And he said, I have made a sculpture of all the important people. He said, I really like to make a sculpture of you, but I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, I won't make a sculpture of you the way you are, but I'll make a sculpture of the way you would be if you didn't have those humps on your back and so as the story goes the 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 hunchback prince he thought for a moment he said why that's a wonderful idea you go and you make that sculpture and so the sculptor went out and he 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 took his delicate skillful hands and his chisels and his tools and he formed and he fashioned this beautiful artwork this beautiful caricature of who this man would be. And after a few weeks, he brought it back into the palace, and he said, here it is. He unveiled it, and the hunchback prince looked at the sculpture, and he goes, why, I didn't know I would be so tall. Why, I didn't know I would be so handsome. It's beautiful. And he said to the sculptor, he said, take it out and put it in my garden. I want to gaze on it every day. And as the story goes... This hunchback prince would walk out in his garden every day. He would walk out there every day and every day in the cool of the morning when the dew was on the roses and the sun began to burst through the clouds he would look at that sculpture and he would give himself just a, uh, just a little stretch and as the story goes one day while he was walking out there he walked out and he was contemplating life and the dew was on the roses and the sun was shining through the clouds and all of a sudden he gave himself one last stretch and all of a sudden his back snapped out and he looked at the brazen gate and he saw himself and he said why I'm as tall as the sculpture I'm as handsome as the sculpture and he ran into the house and he threw a big party he said something has happened in my life the Bible says this because here's the deal folks you could spend your whole life from now until Jesus comes Trying to get people to come to you. Trying to get people to touch you. Trying to get people to follow you. Trying to have compassion for other people in your life. You could spend the next, every breath of your life, you could spend the next decades of your life trying to get all that work in your life where you can do one thing. You can spend time in the presence of Jesus. And the Bible says daily as we behold him we gaze into his image and we're changed into that same image from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says he gave apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists to equip the saints for the work of the ministry till we all come into unity of saints. Into the measure of the perfect man the measure, of the stature, of the fullness, of Christ. I don't want to just be saved. I want to be a Christian. Yes. Somebody say I want to be a Christian. And I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell you the motive. So I could spend hours teaching you, and I'm going to talk about the mission tomorrow. You don't want to miss tomorrow night. But let me say, I could I could spend hours teaching you all the the intricate sees of, of how it is to sow and, and how it is to cast out devils and how it is to lay hands on the sick. I could teach you all that but if you don't have the presence of God in your life you don't have anything. Right. But I'm here to tell you when the glory of the glory, when you, when you gaze into his glory, we sing that song, his glory. Oh, hallelujah, I got, I got moved when we were singing that song. I was saying, oh, God, yes, Lord, I want you. See, Jesus said, the glory, God, he said, God, the glory that you've given me, I have given it to them. And I'm here to tell you that there is power in the glory of God, in his presence day by day. Listen, Jesus does not want your devotion. He wants your, he doesn't want your devotions. He wants your devotion. He doesn't want just a couple minutes. He doesn't want you to just pat yourself on the back and say, I read my Bible and I prayed. He wants you to walk in his presence. Hallelujah. He wants you to enjoy his glory. And I'm here to tell you that if this church will encounter Jesus afresh, hallelujah, I'm to tell you the power to have people follow you, the power for people to come and touch you, hallelujah, the power for people to, 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 to uh, that you could have compassion on them. It's all available, but it's found not in seeking those things. It's found in finding Jesus and getting his glory working in you. Hallelujah.
3: Yes, come on now. Hallelujah. Come
1: on. Come on. When I was in Bible college, the Lord told me, he said, I was a first year of Bible coach and, uh, and, and I was there and I didn't even know how I was gonna pass because I was scared to be in Bible college. I'm studying every hour of the day, hardly. I just didn't, I couldn't even, I was studying my brains out just to, I couldn't, I didn't have any time to myself and God said, I want you to give me an hour. And I said, Lord, I don't have an hour. He said, you gotta give me an hour. I said, God, I have given you everything. I've given you my life. I've left my homeland. I have left everything. I'm here in this dungeon and <laughs> this military camp, and I'm hearing preachers all day preaching to me, and they're making me study this, and memorize that. And I said, I have given you everything. I have nothing left of me. God says, give me an hour. I fought with him for about a week and a half. Finally, I said, he said, God said, give me an hour. I said, okay, God, I'll give you an hour. But if I fail Bible college, it's going to be your fault. <laughs> so God gave me an hour. And I'd get up at quarter to six every morning. and I'd go down to the prayer room. And there was Ralph Coolidge Campbell
3: <laughs>
1: with his pillow and his blankie. And I'd talk to God. And I'd talk and I'd talk and I'd talk and I'd talk. And I found out after a couple of weeks that I had more margin in my life. Everybody say margin. Margin. See, I'm I'm convinced, listen to me, I'm convinced the reason why believers do not have the energy to reach out to the lost, do not have the time to to, to to care about their neighbors, not because they don't want to, it's not because they don't know they should, it's because at the end of the day, life is just tough, and we gotta feed our kids, and get them to school, and we gotta go to work, and we gotta keep our car running, and we gotta fix the house, and we gotta make sure the furnace works, and we gotta do all that stuff, and we gotta pay our bills, and at the end of the day, we sit down, and we have no margin in our life. Nothing. Sister Browning bought me a Bible six years ago, seven years, I don't know how many years ago. It's got big margins in it. That's so that after I've read everything there, I can put my own thoughts over on the side, what that means to me. There's some margin. There's some extra space. I found out that a lot of Christians don't have any margin in their life. But I found out after a couple weeks of praying that I had margin. And all of a sudden, I was asked to be head of the nursing home ministry, which we went to 48 nurses, nursing homes. I was asked to be on the, 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 the preaching team, to be an evangelist, and go out and preach for the church, the school, rather. And I was, I was part of student council, and I was on North Africa Middle East Prayer Group. And I found out that at the end of the day, I still had time to twiddle my thumbs, because I had margin in my life. I had a friend down in Bible college, he'd go, and every time he would go somewhere, he'd go down to the gas station, he'd put, he'd put $4 gas in his car. And I'd say, why do you do that? He said, he said, if I put less gas in my car, my car's not as heavy. He says, i get better gas mileage. I looked at him. He was a Canadian, too. I was a stupid Canadian. but from Toronto. <laughs> I said, but do you realize that every time you go, to, go somewhere, you have to drive it's eight miles out of your way to go to the gas station?
3: <laughs>
1: and I found there's a lot of Christians like this. This is the, can I just tell you how a lot of Christians live? Get up in the morning. They say they're shundo, shundai. Read a verse or two. Lift their hands up to heaven. Say, oh, thank you, Lord. If they do that. And then they go through life, and all day long, they're just... Jumping through hoops, jumping through hoops, jumping through hoops. And if the hoop gets big enough, they'll stop and call upon Jesus' name. And all day long, we're just running on empty, running on empty, running on empty, running on empty, running on empty. running, on empty, running, on empty, running on, And there's no glory in our lives. And because there's no glory in his lives, there's nobody coming to us, there's nobody following us, there's nobody touching us. There's nobody that we don't even have any margin to have compassion in their lives. We just look at it and say, well, that's life. Come on, some of you just said that today. It's not my problem. Are you with me right now? Yes. Let me tell you this story and I'm going to finish up. Zach and I were on two, three, a couple of years ago now, two years ago. We're on our way. I got, I'm home, I come home on a Friday night and I got to go buy some new suits because I, you know, I, I gain weight and I lose weight and sometimes I feel like an accordion. You know, I'm, I'm heavy, then I'm light, then I'm heavy, then I'm light. I go to Africa, I lose 25 pounds, and then a couple weeks later, I gain back. But I have three wardrobes, you know, at three different sizes, and I just have to figure out what size that I'm on every trip and then hope that I don't change. If I'm way too long, then I have to buy more clothes. It's true. It's true. It's sad. I came home, and I had no clothes to wear because I had lost so much weight I had nothing to wear. And so I said, We're going to, tomorrow we are going down to the States because we only live 45 miles away. We're going to go down to the States and we're going to buy some clothes. So I'm saying, We're going to, they say, What time are we going to leave, Dad? I said, We're going to leave at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. So 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 11 30, 12 o'clock, 12 30. I'm on the phone trying to take care of things. And finally at 12.30 I get out of the house, pull out of the driveway. And Zachary says to me, When we're pulling out, Dad, there's no gas in this car. Did I hear him? No. Because, you know, when you get older, you've got all these things running in your brain, you don't listen to pop-ups. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? It's just like, you've got enough on your computer, you don't need pop-ups. And then the you're out of gas sign pops up. And I actually have five warning signs in my car, including the GPS that tells me I'm out of gas. I never noticed any of them until I was halfway to Sarnia. And there's a strip down there, there's a 402, there's a strip there of highway where, where people just, they, they, they just it continuously are getting on pile-up collisions. It's like you can go through four or five or six different weather cycles just in 45 kilometers. It's just terrible. And so I am there, and I'm driving, and everybody's told me we're out of gas. The cars told me we're out of gas. I didn't listen, we're out of gas. And I'm driving down there, and I got, like, this afternoon, because the more I got to go preach on the other side of Toronto, and I'm white-knuckling it through this stormy weather, and I looked down, and I noticed we're out of the glass, and I actually said this, I am too tired, too exhausted to have this problem. I have no margin in my life for this problem right now. That's what I said, and everybody laughed. But I had visions of pulling over the side of the road and having to hitchhike, hitchhike a ride to go get some gas. Now, we did make it to the next town, thank God. But the next morning, I woke up, and the Lord told me, he said, you know, what you said yesterday is true about most Christians, that we have no margin, that we have no margin, that we are not spending enough time in the presence of God for ourselves.'" Are you listening to me right now? Listen to me. I know you wanted a shouting, jumping, hooping, hollering. I'm telling you right now, I'll get you to the glory right now. If you'll make a commitment to the Lord. Listen, I believe what the Lord told me is that he's birthing a new season across Canada. And I don't believe I'm just talking about it. I don't just believe I'm yapping. I'm not just saying something nice. I believe God is birthing a new season. But the season he's birthing in people that will press in and have an encounter with God. And I'm talking about daily, God is looking for a people who will gaze upon the stature of Christ who will gaze upon the statue of Christ. Because your strength is not in trying better. Your strength is not in trying to get people to follow you. Your strength, your hope is in not opening your mouth louder and yelling louder or standing on the street with a, you know, I found it bumper sticker on, the, on, on your, or a turn or burn, you know, billboard on your body. That, that's not our hope. Our hope is the glory of God upon our lives. Hallelujah. And I'm here to tell you it's time that we press in to the presence of God and that we glean from the glory of God. Oh, the glory of his presence. Yeah. I don't want to just be saved. I know you don't want to just be saved. But we can we can hear it all, we can have it all preached to us. We can learn all the doctrine. We can make all the confessions. But if we don't have an encounter. That's right, come on, come on. If we don't have an encounter, if we don't have the presence of God in our life, if we don't have the glory of God on our life, then it's not going to work for us. The power is in the encounter. I said the power is in the encounter. And here's what the Lord told me today. He said, he said this is, I told you I'm pressing for one thing. I'm pressing to get you to make a commitment to have an encounter with Jesus. Are you with me right now? And here's what I felt the Lord just tell me to, to, to say. I, how many would say, Brother Mark, I know that's where it is at. I can beat myself up because I don't witness more. I can beat myself up because I don't pray more. I can beat myself up because I'm not compassionate enough. I can beat, you could beat yourself up from now until Jesus comes. Or you could spend time in the presence of Jesus. Yeah. And as you do, you will be changed into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ Jesus. I'm here to tell you, for those who will press in and spend time in his presence, I'm telling you, the bumps and the humps are falling off your body. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you, you're getting taller. Hallelujah. The church is getting staller. The church is getting stronger. Your humps are falling off. Those bumps are falling off your body. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The glory that he's given us, that God gave Jesus, Jesus has given us, and it's in his presence. And here's what the Lord told me, and I'm just being obedient to God tonight, I know every service is different, I don't claim to do the same thing all the time, and I'm not going to do the same thing all the time. God told me tonight to challenge you to spend time in his presence, not just reading, not just yelling at God, but finding an encounter. Now sometimes you know, it's how much Bible do you read every day, brother Mark? Well, sometimes I read five chapters, sometimes I read a verse because sometimes I get so in awe at that verse, I just stop and say, Whoa, man, that's pretty powerful! How much do you pray? Sometimes I pray for five hours, sometimes I pray for five minutes. It's just only you don't well, only pray for five minutes, well, because I got the presence of God with me all the time, I'm not, I don't have to be going into emergency tongues. But Praise God, I know how to speak in tongues. But I'm talking about pressing in to his presence, gazing upon his stature. Are you with me? Are you hearing me right now? Because I'm telling you, there is healing in that there is power in that. There is empowerment in that. There is strength in that. There is glory in that. There is there is richness in that. There is confidence in that. There is fullness in that. There is joy in his presence. Hallelujah. There is power. I'll tell you something. There's anointing in that. Uh, there's, there's hallelujah. There's boldness in that. Hallelujah. And what God told me to do, here's, 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 here's the final. What God told me to do is just have any, you say, I challenge you right now. How many would say, Brother Mark? I want to stand with this pastor and these pastors of this church and I want to say now more than ever, I am pressing into his glory. I'm pressing into his presence. If that's you, I want you to stand on your feet right now. Don't do it unless you mean it. But I want you to stand on your feet. I want you to stand on your feet right now if that's you right now. Because I'm here to tell you, listen to me, I'm go up and sing the song. I want here to tell you right now, listen to me, it's in his glory. It's in his glory that people will start following you. It's in his glory that people will start touching you. It's in his glory that that virtue, everybody say resident power, available on demand for external use. It's in his glory that that stuff gets released. And I don't want to just be saved. I'm tired of just being saved. I'm tired of just walking through Lloyd Minister. I don't want to just walk through this town. I don't want to just drive through this town. I want to drive through with the glory of God on my life, hallelujah. I want to make my life change, different. I want to make a difference, hallelujah. I want people to be touched by my life, hallelujah. I'm not interested in just being saved. I want to be a Christian. I wanna be somebody say I wanna be a Christian. I wanna be a Christian. I wanna be, 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 be a Christian. If you wanna be a Christian, you gotta spend time in his glory. In his glory. In his glory. Come on now. I want you to do something right now. Lift up your hands, lift up your hands lift up your hands, lift up your hands and let's just sing this song. I just feel that we're supposed to sing it. Just sing this song right now. Just sing this song. The glory. The glory. The glory. Wow, the glory will just fall on you right now. The glory will come and heal you right now. Hallelujah. The glory will come and change your way of thinking right now. The glory will take the lumps off your back and the humps off your back right now. In his glory you'll get taller. In his glory you'll get stronger. In his glory there'll be more margin in your life. In in his glory, there'll be an abundance instead of lack. In his glory, there'll be more than enough. Hallelujah. I want you to lift your hands up and just worship the Lord. Worship him. Worship him. Worship him. Come on, sing this song, the glory. Hallelujah. Oh, You know what song? Hallelujah. Come on, sing it right now. Come on, just sing it with all your worth right now. Cry. Call upon the Lord. In. Press Press Just spend some time around the altar right now. Come on, just press in. Press in, press in. Just pour out your heart towards the Lord right now. Make me like you, Lord God. In your presence, I'm getting taller. Hallelujah. In your presence, the humps are coming off my back. In your presence... And bondages are falling in your presence. The humps are coming off. We're We're getting taller. We're getting taller. We're getting taller. We're getting taller in your presence. Press in, press in, press in, press in. Call upon the Lord right now. Press in, press in, press in. Not just for 10 seconds. Come on now. Press in. I dare you. I double dog dare you to press in, 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 press in. I dare you, I dare you, I dare you to press in. Press into his glory. Press in, press in, press in, press in in the name of Jesus. Press in, press in! Come on, children, press in. Come on, mom and dad, press in. Press in, press in. Press in, press in. in. Out of fuel at the end of the day, I want margin in my life, I want resident power available on demand for external use. I need your glory in my life, Lord. I need your glory in my life, Christ in me, Christ in me, hope of. Oh. I need your glory in my life. I don't want to just be saved. I want to be a Christian. I want your glory. I want your glory. I want your glory. I want your glory. revelation, fresh bread, fresh anointing, Lord, freshness, Lord. I need it in my life. I need it in my life. I need it now, Lord. I can't run on empty any longer. I need margin, Lord. I need excess. I need abundance. It's in your glory. Change into your image. In your presence, I'm getting taller. In your presence, the humps are coming off my back. The glory of your presence, Lord. Come on, lift up your hands towards heaven and call upon the name of the Lord. I double-dog dare you to press in right now. I double-dog dare you to press in right now. I double-dog dare you to press in, press in, press in, press in. Roll our basura basata. Press in, 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 right now. Press in, press in, press in, press in, press in. There's healing in His glory. There's strength in His glory. Glory, there's wisdom in his glory. There's illumination in his glory. Press in, press in, press in, press in. Press in, 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 press in. press in, 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 press in in, pass the veil, pass the veil, press in, press in, into your glory, not the light of the world, not the light of man, supernatural light, God's light, God's illumination, press in, press in, press in, press in, press in, press in, press in in. in right now. Press in right now. Press in, press in, press in. Press in right now. Press, press in right now, sir. Press in, press in, press in, press in. Glory, 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 glory. The glory of your presence. Press in right now, press in right now, press, 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 press. Getting taller. Getting stronger. Getting wiser are coming off, the wisdom of God, the grace of God, the power of God, the anointing of God, supernatural strength into this body right now, healing, heal right now in the name of Jesus, healing right now in the name of Jesus, healing right now, Jesus, touch her right now. In your glory, 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 in your glory. The humps are falling off. In your glory. In your glory. In your glory, in your glory, Shakarababasa Satai. Press in, 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 Shotalababasota Yo. Press in, 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 press in right now, press in, press in right now, press in right now. Press in, press in right now. press in, sir. Press in in the name of Jesus. Into his glory. You're getting taller. You're getting stronger. The anointing is lifting you. There's margin in your life press in 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 press press in press in press in press in Press in right now, press in right now, press in right now. Press in right now, press in right now, press in, press in right now, press in right now, press in right now, press in right now, sir, press in into his presence, press in, press in, press in, press in. A lot of things gotta fall off. A lot of things wanna fall off. A lot of things need to fall off. In his glory, in his glory, in his glory. Press in, press in, press in, press in, press in, press in, press in. Shh. Come on, I dare you to press in for a minute or two, couple more minutes. Come on, I dare you. I double dog dare you. I dare you right now. Press in, press in, press in. The Holy Spirit could do in more one minute than I could do in a hundred messages. Thousand messages, ten thousand messages, a million messages. Holy Ghost, do it now. Press in, press in, press in right now, press in right now, press in, press in. Come out of your pit, come out of your despair, come out of your weakness, come into strength. Press in right now, press in right now. Press in right now, press in right now. Press in right now. Press in right now, press in. Press in, press in. I dare you, press in. Press in for another five minutes. Come on. Press in. Press in right now. Press in. Press in right now. Press in right now. Press in right now in the name of Jesus. Press in right now, honey. Press in right now, press in right now. Press in right now. Press in right now. Press in right now. In his glory. In his glory. In his glory. Hallelujah. In his glory. You can sit down now. In his glory. Hallelujah. In his glory. In his glory. In his glory. Hallelujah. In his glory. Hallelujah. Press in, press in, press in. There's healing in His glory. His power in His glory. Farther, more, greater revelation, greater anointing. Shh. Hallelujah! 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 Hallelujah. Just look at me for a moment right now. now some of you thought, well, you know, well, I want a word of knowledge and I want the preacher to lay hands on me. You know, tonight, I got, I got a couple words, but, but I want you to see tonight that the goal, the, my assignment tonight from God was to get you to realize that you could spend your whole time just trying to measure up This isn't happening in my life. That's not happening in my life. I'm not good enough here. I'm not good enough there. You'll never measure up unless you spend time in the presence of his glory. In his presence, you are changed. You're changing the image of the one you worship. And what the Lord has been trying to help me to get you to a place is where you would make a commitment. Now, some of you have been spending 10 minutes and I'm not saying 10 minutes is bad because 10 minutes is a lot more than some people spend at all. But it's not so much about the time as it is about the quality of the time. Some of you spend half an hour. It's not so much about the time as it is the quality of time. When you read your Bible, does God meet with you or do you just read your Bible? When you pray, do you connect with God or you just talk? Because I'm telling you, It's past the religion and into the encounter that's going to produce the power. I'm convinced of it. And I fully expect that I'm going to walk in seasons where people get healed when I just walk by them. And you you should expect that to happen to you too. God's no respecter of persons. In other words, you better hope he respects you But he doesn't treat you any different than he would treat anybody else. If you'll honor him in faith, faith will bring that miracle into your life. And I'm believing right now, listen to me, let's see, some of us come to church to get the glory so we can just get by. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you deciding that every day that you're going to spend time in his glory. Until you don't just get by, but you have some margin in your life. Everybody say margin. How many want some more margin in your life? You want some extra energy at the end of the day. You want some extra strength. When God speaks you to go next door to the neighbors, you're not sitting there saying, oh, God, I'm so tired. I'll do it next week. Come on now. How many know what I'm talking about? God tells you to call somebody on the phone and you say, I will. And you put it off for two weeks. And then it's too late. I'm talking about margin in your life. Margin comes by spending time in the presence of God. Margin comes by refueling every day. And when you fill up, I always fill up. I never get $10 or $20. I never once, ever do. I just put the whole 165 or $175 right in my tank. Come on now. You ought to fill up. We got to learn how to fill up. And it's not just at church on Sunday. We got to learn how to fill up all day long. And I'll tell you something. Some of us think that, you know, to fill up is going to take hours and hours. I'll tell you something. If we just learn how to drink, if we just learn how to spend time in his glory for ourselves, if we just learn how to recognize the presence of the indwelling Christ inside of us, then we wouldn't just have enough water for ourselves, but out of our belly would flow rivers of living water. Everybody say rivers. How many want that river to flow out of you? Come on now. How many want resident power available on demand for external use? Come on now. How many want resident power available on demand for external use? So I could could lay hands on you tonight and get you all convinced that now you got it. But you know what? The truth is, you already got it. He lives inside of you. You just got to recognize his presence every day and spend time in his glory. Now, I do have some words. Hallelujah. Somebody just got healed right in here, right there in your gut. Okay. That was you. What was wrong? I, uh, my lungs, I couldn't, I couldn't hardly breathe. Except for my okay. I of I what i didn't doing is all the time. I, you had pain all I, the all time? All the time, and my weight right between my sternum and stuff like that. Right in there? And right in there, and, and I, I couldn't breathe. And I was telling Jonathan I can't, I can't play drums and stuff I can't lift up my arms. Okay. I couldn't even lift. I'm okay now. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> now, when did that happen? Did that happen tonight? Yeah, it happened tonight. Like it, it felt, While you were worshiping the Lord? Yeah, we were worshiping the Lord and singing that song there. And I love Jesus very much. And my... Hallelujah. How many believe that this is a miracle right here? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, there's different, ways, there's different ways of doing things. Here's what the Lord tells me to tell you. I don't know you from Adam, but I hear the Lord says that, uh, that he, that, how do I say this without making, I'll okay, just say it. Here's what the Lord says. Take the cruise control off. Step on the pedal. I feel like the Lord just says to me to say this, that there's more for you than you've been experiencing and maybe more for you than you've even desired, if that makes sense. Because you're like, okay, well. But the Lord's been saying to me to tell you that take the cruise control off, step on the pedal, and just see where God takes you. Because I, th- I believe that he wants to take you into a new realm, a new sphere, a new a new level of zeal and excitement and blessing now that's I'm just saying what God told me I don't know you if that makes sense to you does that make any sense to you yeah it does praise God just give the Lord praise right now hallelujah somebody somebody you've been having problems in your shoulder just move your shoulder right now because move it come on move it move it move it move it move it you move yours everybody with shoulder problems just move it ooh, ooh. Move it, 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 move it. Wow, there's a lot of people with shoulder problems. Holy smokes. Okay. Move your shoulders. Those of you who have been moving your shoulders because you had shoulder problems. How many shoulders feel better? Put up your hand right now. You feel better. Your shoulders. There, there. Come on now. there, there, there. There. Come on, everybody got healed in your shoulder. Come over here right now. It's in his glory. It's in his glory. Come on. Look at all these people that got healed in their shoulders. That's just amazing. I've never seen so many shoulder problems in my life. Stress. There's freedom from stress in the glory of God. Okay, all of you, lift up your hands right now. Come on, somebody come and stand behind them because I'm touching each one of them. I'm gonna seal this miracle right now in the Holy Ghost. Come on now. Press, stretch forth your jumper cables towards these guys right now. It's healed, never come back again. It's healed, Hallelujah. never come back again. Amen. It's healed, never come back again. <laughs> She's going for a walk. Woo! 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 Run away. Hallelujah. It's healed. Don't come back. Shundo, Shundai, in the name of Jesus, I speak a credible healing yes, and a cure Amen. right now. Yes. This is the only woman that said she didn't get it yet. In Jesus' name, right now. Take it now. Take it now. Take it, take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. Take it. In Jesus' name, take it, take, it take, it take it now. Take it now. Take it now. Never come back. Never come back. I'm not saying to church. I'm saying sickness, don't come back. <laughs> Never come back. Stress stress, go, even into that neck, right in here, is that right, right in there, and right in there, it's gone, don't come back, don't come back, don't come back, leave, okay, 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 lift up your hands right now. In the glory of the Lord, in the glory of the Lord, in the glory of the Lord, there's healing. In the glory of the Lord, there's wisdom. In the glory of the Lord, there's strength. In the glory of the Lord, there's somebody else in here. You're, you, there's somebody else other than this brother here. You are having problems. You've been having problems breathing. Where are you? You've been having problems breathing. There's a, somebody else in this place. You've been having problems with breathing. Where are you right now? I want to pray for you. Come on. Come on. Quick, 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 quick. It's getting late. Shh. Yes. I could have come right to you. Hallelujah. I'll pray for you too. Mama. Yes. It's not just that. Yes. It's this. Yes. It's this. Yes. And it's a little bit this. And then, and then, there's a couple other things. A little bit of sugar. Come on, stretch forth your hand towards this mama right now. Mama! Mama! Get your miracle right now. I receive it. I, receive it. I like this. The, the faith. Hallelujah! Everybody, stretch forth your hand towards her. Come on, stretch forth your jumper cables. Come on! In the glory of the Lord, there is healing. Heal!
3: Thank
1: Heal. you. Heal! Thank you. Jesus. Heal. Thank you Jesus. Heal! No, I'm not pushing you over, no. No, no. It's all right. I hardly touch these people. I hardly touch them. I hardly touch them. I got my finger on them. You want to get healed? Yes. Are you sure? You sure? Oh, he's got, the lady's got a beautiful smile. My, what's going on? Touch your Lord, touch your Lord, touch your Lord, touch your Lord, touch your Lord. Show complete miracle in her body from the tip of her toes to the crown of her head. In Jesus' name. I got some resonant power available on demand for external use. Here it is fire! Shoo. The fire of God. Touch her now, Lord. Touch her now, Lord. Touch her now, Lord. Touch her now, Lord. Touch her now. Touch her, touch her, touch her, touch her. Touch her now. 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 Come on, everybody. Say, touch her now. Touch her now. Heal, 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 heal. Heal, 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 heal. The glory, the glory. Everybody say the glory. Glory. The glory of his presence. Hallelujah. 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 Used to. Come on out here. Come here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ha ha ha. How long have you been married for? Three years, maybe? Oh, I don't know. Are we married? (laughs) Three years? Yeah,
3: three years. Maybe four.
1: Three four. The three, four, three, four. Here's what the Lord says to me to tell you. Uh, you've been walking into this thing. You've given it some energy. But God says that even right now that there's been a uh, uh, it's like there's been a hindrance to getting everything you want from God, to getting to getting at that position you really want to be in God. And God says to me, to say to you, just keep on pressing, keep on pressing, because God says that some of the things you've been wondering about, some things you've been desiring to have, they're just they're just right here, they're right within reach. As a matter of fact, you could just reach out and grab them. And this next uh, 12 months. Now, I'm cautious about these things. I do not like putting dates and times on anything. But these next 12 months, God is going to start pouring to your life answers to questions and advancements, and God's going to start prom- pr- promoting and moving your ship forward. Hallelujah. Come on now. Come on now. Hallelujah. Come on now. Hallelujah. That's so. I just want to pray with you right now. Father, I release the blessings of God upon this couple right now. In the name of Jesus, I speak abundance and no lack in their lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Better, 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 better communications, better relations, better understanding, stronger. Woo! Is that is that does that sound nice to you? That's amazing. God is good. God is so good. That, right? What about you, buddy?
2: <laughs> Jesus is good. Jesus is
1: good. Hallelujah. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. There's been one serious thing that you've been in prayer about that you've been in prayer about I just see God said God coming down and I see a stamp of approval yes.
3: approved yes.
1: I don't know what it is and I don't need to know but God says that one thing that you've been praying for he just, I just saw a stamp come down a piece of a, a heavenly petition I just saw a stamp come down going approved Approved. Nice approved. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Now, He will give you the desires of your heart, but seek first, seek first His kingdom. I have a sneaky idea of what it might be, but praise God, I'm not going to say anything. To you. It's not anybody else's business. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands towards heaven right now. Everybody, say the glory. glory. The glory. The glory, the glory, the glory, the glory. Now here's your assignment. You got to go home. Here's your assignment. Here's your assignment. You can put down your hands. Here's your assignment. Here's your assignment. If I give you an assignment, will you accept it? Here's your assignment. I want you to find at least 15 minutes tomorrow. At least 15 minutes tomorrow. And just Try to get into the glory, the presence of God. At least 15. If I mean, if you're enjoying it, stay longer. Come on, now you can stay for an hour. But I'm just saying, everybody, because what I have to give you tomorrow night will not work. It won't even make sense. It will only. It won't even work unless you got this glory working on the inside of you. Everybody, say the glory. glory. So you understand. That you have a treasure in earthen vessel, Christ in you, the hope of, the hope of what? The hope of what? So when you say that, what does it mean? You got Christ in you, and you got a hope of going to heaven someday? No, that's not what it means. You have Christ in you, the hope of glory that the glory can get in your hands that the glory can be in your lips the glory can be on your feet the glory can be in your life and that you can make a difference so here's your assignment 15 minutes, everybody say 15 minutes, 15 minutes. I'll challenge you at least 15 minutes now man, if you have devotion time you spend an hour, don't stop doing that but I'm talking about 15 minutes in the presence of God tomorrow before you come back tomorrow night because I know I got a word for you tomorrow night. How many receive something tonight? How many want to be a Christian? How many are tired of just being saved? You want to be a Christian? How did somebody say, I want to be a Christian. I want to be a Christian. I want his glory on me. I want resident power available on the man use. Now give the Lord a shout right now. Yeah, come on. Woo. Approved, 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 approved. Hallelujah. Come on. You're crazy people for being out of church on Monday night, but I love you, man. Praise God. Who's Who wants this?